0: New on CuriosityStream. I'm James Burke. I'm going to take you on a journey through time. James Burke's visionary series returns. Reimagined for our time. Now, this is all uncharted territory. The Washington Post hails Burke as one of the most intriguing minds in the Western world. The New York Times raves he careens from one great moment in history to another. Where do we want to go from here? Experience all new. Connections. So what's the next connection? With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at CuriosityStream.com.
1: It is time for the awesome MMA strategy shows. We're here to get you ready for UFC Vegas number 50, which goes down on Saturday afternoon, lock time, 4 p.m. Eastern time. Of course, we are headlined by a light heavyweight main event, Tiago Santos, the veteran taking on the guy that there are people out there that believe at some point this guy is going to be the UFC light heavyweight champion, Maglov and Kalaev. And of course, also co-main event, we got the the longtime vet Marlon Moraes taking on Song Yudong. We're here to break it down over the next hours. We got 14 fights to break down here through this show. Of course, as always, we are sponsored by Prize Picks. We'll talk about Prize Picks later on in the show. Of course, as always, I'm joined by the fighter Pete Rogers Jr. Pete. So uh, it was about an hour ago. I finally looked at the DraftKings salaries. You know, me and you are kind of both in that similar realm of hey, let's break down the fights before we actually start really looking at the salary. So salary doesn't indicate maybe how we feel. When I looked at the salary, Pete, my very first indication was, oh my, we got a lot of 9,000 fighters this week.
2: Yes, we do. Uh, we absolutely do. And uh, I, I'm interested to see like where we can find some value this week. And, uh, you know, we're riddled with tons of 9,000 options. I just think from a, a betting and odds perspective, it's a strange card to kind of, you know, navigate through. Um, definitely unique. 14 fights that we can definitely, uh you know, target some fights that we think have more optimal chances than others. But all in all, I'm excited just for some of these matchups, and I can't wait to break it down with you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was uh, more looking at the betting side, I man. If you want to play Terrence McKinney, uh, you lost the best number of the week mm-hmm. already, as he was uh, at one point a 2-1 to betting underdog. That number keeps going down, and I'll say this. Uh, If you are going to fade Terrence McKinney and you want to place a bet uh, against uh, for Drew Dover this week, just wait till Saturday, because I think that number is going to get even better for you. No reason to place that number on Drew Dover yet, but Pete, let's get right into it. Main event, light heavyweight, Tiago Santos taking on Magomed. Ankalaev and Kalaev 9600 6600 for Tiago Santos. Uh at one point, Ankalaev was a six to one betting favorite in this one. Now, uh, as of this morning, uh, a five and a half to one betting favorite in this one. And as we look at the DFS side of this equation, Pete would, you know, when you look at Tiago Santos, you do think of the power. But the other thing that I think about Tiago Santos, I think about that Johnny Walker fight and the lack of volume that he does throw. I mean, look, if he goes out there and win, it, it could potentially be hard for him not to be optimal with 6600 over on draft games. We don't know what the FanDuel pricing is at, at this point. But uh, for me, the concern I have about Tiago Santos is if he can't get the knockout, he just doesn't throw enough.
2: Yeah, and and that's the issue with anybody who's within that six thousand range, where they really don't have to do a lot to end up, you know, being in the optimal lineup. And uh, as far as this matchup, Tiago Santos, I think, is going to have his hands full. Definitely, um, you're talking about uh, Magomed Ankalaev, one of the, the brightest prospects within the division, six foot three, 75 inch reach. So you're going to have like some of a uh, somewhat of a mirror match, and they're pretty similar in certain ways, where they're they're selective with their output. I think that Magomed and uh, some of his best work, you know, is, you know, he hasn't even really scratched the surface yet. I think that some of his best work is to come. And Tiago Santos has really, you know, done a lot so far and put together uh, tremendous performances. But, you know, he's taken a lot of wear and tear on his body throughout the, his career. And I think the X factor in this matchup could definitely be the takedowns that Magomed and you know, can bring to the table. And uh, if a round is close or... You know, if they're a little hesitant, if Inkalive ends up in a clinch position, I think that's where he should take advantage of Tiago Santos, where we've seen get taken down and, and brutalized on the ground. And you know, I, I do worry about a a green, not necessarily a green fighter, but a younger fighter, a prospect dealing with five rounds. And uh, I'm hoping that Inkalive shines here, and I think that the price point is absolutely justified because 9600. I'm not expecting an early round KO. But I think that this could be just like a, a coming out party for Ank Live where he can just show that he's a, a well-rounded mixed martial artist and avoid the dangerous Tiago Santos. But as far as like a volume standpoint, this is not going to be a high volume affair. This is going to be a methodical striking, striking battle back and forth.
1: Mentioned this question that's already in the chat about this main event from Artie he says, so can we fade the main event? or play Ankalaev. Yeah. I I'll take the second part of that one. Is to me with alive that's just a roster construction situation for me for sure. of of how can you fit him in your lineup when you're taking on a price tag at 9600? That to me is just, it's just more of a roster construction conversation.
2: It's tough to always get a get away from a five round fight, right? Like um especially if, if somebody has takedown potential like last week if you truly avoided the main event for a lot of your lineups and you know we had some high scores but you know, Colby Covington goes out there and, and ends up breaking the slate because of his takedown production. And uh, it's always tough when you're at the top of the leaderboard and there's like one or two fights to go. And then you just start, you know, falling on that leaderboard. And I think that's what could happen if Ankelaev does go the takedown route. Now, if he doesn't go the takedown route, I'm OK with getting a little light on uh, on the main event. So for a portion of my lineups, I will be avoiding it just because I feel like it's necessary, especially because of the low volume nature of it. But I am picking Ink Live to win. And I think that if he does have the correct strategy and game plan for this fight, you could see a massive point total.
1: Yeah, no question about that. Last week has is- the, the combo you had to have was Colby Covington and Rafael dos años to uh, put yourself in contention there. If you didn't have either one, if you didn't have both those guys in the lineup, well, I mean, they were 300 points between two of them. So you had to have uh, both of those guys there. Of course, as always appreciate everyone that's in here uh, watching us live. And of course, if you got any questions on the fights, so leave those in uh, in the YouTube chat. Also in Discord chat, we'll get to those questions throughout the show. Of course, uh, be sure to smash that thumbs up button. We always appreciate those, those thumbs up. Uh, you know, to of course, if you may watch this show after the fact, if you leave a question in the comments, myself or Pete, we'll get to those questions as myself and Pete are always checking uh, out the uh, the comments after the show is over. Of course, uh, if you're not an Osmo Plus member, you want to get a peek. What's behind the paywall? Today's free premium dating tools, NBA ownership rankings, and NHL player rankings. And of course, we have our podcast giveaway, which means head over to Apple Podcasts. Just search Awesomeo MMA. Be sure to follow the podcast so you get the podcast on your phone. But also leave us a five-star rating or review. And on your review, leave it with your Awesomeo h- username or Twitter handle, and you'll be registered to win a free month of also plus platinum. So be sure to take advantage of that. Uh, you know, help help me and Pete's ego. We we like five stars. I don't like three stars. I don't like four stars. I need mean five <laughs> stars. I need I need to help the ego a little bit, Pete.
2: Yeah, we appreciate your support, guys, and uh, if you could do that for us, it'd be greatly appreciated.
1: And of course, uh, let's move on to the co-main event. Uh, we got Marlon Moraes taking on Song Yudong. Seven thousand for Marlon Moraes, ninety-two hundred for Song Yudong. Kind of a a little bit of a similar uh, angle here from the main event, where you have you know the the fire that's been around as a, a, a sizable underdog in this one. And Marlon Moraes and Song Yenong. Uh, You know, this is to me, like, if you want to put Marlon Moraes in your lineups, and I don't mind getting the Marlon Moraes. Let me just say that. But you just got to understand, he's got to get this job done in the first five minutes. You look at the Rob Dodd's really fight. If it's another ref working that fight, he might as well got a stoppage win against Rob Vili, But to me, he just doesn't have 15-minute cardio. And if you're, a, you're going to be a Song Yedong backer in this one, it, it's just wear that first five minutes and then take over uh, from uh, minute six to minute 15.
2: Yeah, for sure. So you have a, a UFC veteran and, and Marlon Rice to a point, but more so like an MMA staple of one of the hottest prospects outside the UFC, coming into the UFC. And, you know, having a, a mixed bag of success and, also some some terrible, terrible defeats. And he's on an extreme rough patch here. Uh, Three-fight losing streak to Corey Sanhang and Rob Font, Marab Dalishvili, all TKO finishes. So um, you're talking about Marlon Moraes at the tail end of his career. And you're talking about a guy who's a round one monster. He looks amazing in the first five minutes. But I don't know what it is. If it's poor weight cutting, if it's cutting too much weight, if it's lack of cardiovascular activity within camp. I don't know what it is. but his cardio drops off a cliff, and uh, you know fatigue makes a coward of us all. And I think Marlon Morris is a perfect, perfect example of that. Where after the, you know the going gets tough, you can see him start to break a little bit. And a bright prospect in Song Yudong, they're not doing Marlon Morris any favors here. Song Yudong is is a hot, hot prospect within the division, and I really, really like hold a lot of value for that that victory of Julio Arce, where he looked excellent I mean Arce is an extremely talented striker and he put him away with nice head kick good follow-up punches just good killer instinct and I think that Song Yudong is clearly the a side here um, a lot of people will be getting to Song Yudong at 9200 the value if you just want to think about value and in, in relation to talent Marlon Moraes is is one of the most talented fighters it's just you have a weak chin poor cardio tail end of career taking a ton of damage uh, I'm clearly going to pick Song Yudong in the matchup uh I don't think that Marlon race will finish Song dong in round 1. Uh, if you're playing him, that's what you're expecting and hoping for. But uh, you know, in a decision victory, let's say like he was somehow able to withstand the barrage of Song dong. um I think that if he goes the cardio, uh, if he goes the takedown route, it's going to zap his cardio and he's not going to really be able to to last for 15 minutes. I think that there is some potential in going to takedowns. Um it's just I don't think that his cardio can hold up for it. So with all that being said, even in a decision victory over Jose Aldo, which was a questionable one, it was a kind of back and forth affair. He only scored fifty nine fantasy points. So Marlon Moraes will not do it for me this week. If if you have a certain take on him, by all means, go ahead and play him. Pound for pound, talent wise, he's he's right up there. But uh, I'm gonna pick Song and Dog ninety two hundred. I think that he can get him out of there.
1: By the way, the boss man checking in in the chat to let everyone know that he just updated the ownership, so be sure to check out that uh, if you are an awesome Osmo Plus member. Of course, if you're not an Osmo awesome Plus member and you want to get access to those ownership projections, all you got to do is go to Osmo.com slash join to check those out as those uh, have been updated over there, so be sure to check those out because that's a that's a key component uh, of how I put my 20 max together. Uh, you know, When it comes like cash and, and things on those lines, I, I hand-build all those. Lineups, but when it comes to those multiplier contests, I'm I'm looking at ownership projection. I'm going with that top fire tool. It's probably big, yeah. the thing I use probably the most uh, over there. Of course, uh, be sure to check out that also.com slash join in terms of that one. Uh, you know, the one thing I will say this is like, look, this is a step up in competition for Song Yudong. But when you look at Marlon Moraes mm-hmm. this is a guy that has been taking on the elite of the elite and the UFC yeah. 135 pound division. Let's just go uh 2019. Henry Cejudo, mm-hmm. Jose Aldo. Corey Sanhagen, Rob Font, Rob Davishvili. I mean,
2: yeah. Yeah, that's the top of this division. Well, I mean, he was brought over, you know, to possibly challenge for the title or become the champion. And, uh, you know, he had high hopes for for this prospect and Marlon Moraes. So he's clearly fought the best of the best. But in fighting the best of the best, he's taken a ton of damage. And you haven't really seen a different Marlon Moraes from fight to fight. It's not like, oh, okay, wow, he's got better cardio. It seems like it's the same old story. So... Uh, I don't really expect much to change, but as fighters, we always make adjustments, or at least you should. And uh, maybe the possibility of switching to Tiger Muay Thai. Not sure how that would really change things, but uh, I don't know, man. I- I'm still picking song and Dong despite the massive step up in competition.
1: Next up, we've got a featherweight matchup Sadiq Youssef, 9,100 over on DraftKings, 7,100 for Alex Cesaris over on FanDuel. And the thing that immediately sticks out to you is the winning streak that yeah. Alex Aceris has been on since uh, this role. Since he lost to Chrome Gracie back in 2019, a first-round submission wins against Steven Peterson, Chase Hooper, Austin Springer, Kevin Kroon, Sung-Hoo Choi, and also he just comes off a, a grappling win there in, in Fury FC as, as well. So, I mean, this guy has been on a roll, but, you know, Sadiq Youssef, the younger guy here, I, 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 it's like almost like I feel like these top three fights are all kind of the same narrative where you've got the veteran who's been around for a long time, the young guy who, in most cases, the UFC ma- matchmakers are trying to get the the younger guy to make a little bit of a name off the guy that's been around.
2: Yeah. So you have to like pinpoint and try to poke holes in certain matchups and thinking, well, this step up in competition might just be too much at this point. He's a little green and this is too much. Um, But like in the Marlon Moraes fight, there's a lot of negative traits associated with Marlon Moraes. Tiago Tiago Santos as well. Uh, Alex Caceres has been like a a surprising success story within the UFC and turning his career around. And, you know, you have Sadiq Youssef, who I think you know, on the contender series looked absolutely phenomenal. And even within the UFC, looked very, very talented outside of, you know, just losing to Arnold Allen. I think that there's plenty of skill here. And I think that there's plenty of not, uh, so there's skill and he also has, has some decent, uh, fight IQ. Uh, a lot of people that Alex Caceres has been going up against a lot of low level competition, making simple, simple mistakes. Um, and just fighting poor uh, fight IQ where, the the tough veteran can take advantage of a situation like that. And this week I'm not going to get to Alex Caceres. Uh, I do think that there's a a path to victory for him over most people in in the submission department, because he has some sneaky jujitsu, some unorthodox distance striking as well. But Sadiq Youssef, I think is just a powerful athlete on the feet. Um, I think that he's well-rounded enough to get rid of Alex Caceres. Um, I don't know if like he can get him out of there. Uh, I think that he hits hard enough to do so. But I think that this should be a, a dominant victory in Sadiq Youssef, and it's a, it's a nice bounce-back victory, bounce-back spot for him at, outside of uh, just losing to Arnold Allen. So, again, not getting to the value in Alex Caceres, but the, I understand if you just want to look at win streak and momentum, Alex Caceres could clearly pick up a sneaky win. He did it against Sung Uchoy, which was caught me by surprise. 91 fantasy points. Did not expect that at all. So um, I'm picking Sadiq Youssef at 9,100.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's one of these guys that he's been on this role here that, uh, you know, look, I don't think a lot of people expected to see this out of, of Alex Osiris, but he has been on a great role. Before we move on to the next fight, do want uh, to let you know about our Best Bets Discord as we're excited to announce the launch of our premium betting picks subscription. Click the link below in the information here on YouTube to subscribe and to join our Betting Picks Discord channel each day. Alex Osmo Baker, Ben Rossa, and Steve Buzzer, who's Osmo's industry-leading projection models to identify the best potential roi situations provide catered snapshot betting analysis in actual time frame until march 17th you can get a discount on these best bets we use the coupon let me see those picks at checkout once again that's coupon let me see those picks at checkout which will get you full access for only fifteen dollars Now's the time to get the premium betting sports subscription just in time for March madness. Of course you can click the link below in the description for today's games. Of course, March madness uh, is here. Unfortunately, uh, my Knowles uh, didn't show up yesterday, even though um old Bayheim's kid decided to take a punch at one of our players. I don't know if you saw that one.
2: No, no, right to the
1: gut. Oh yeah. i oh, fucking a free throw. Yeah. Right to the gut. I mean, yeah. As clear as day as clear as day.
2: I did not see any of this. Nope. Um, I don't know. Yeah, again, I mean, like, I like I like college basketball for sure. I just have not been invested this year.
1: Uh, yeah, I haven't been that, that much invested either. Now, next up, we've got a light heavyweight matchup as Carl Roberson makes his 205-pound debut here in the UFC, taking on Khalil Roundtree Jr., Roundtree 8,200, Carl Roberson, 8,000. You know, look, when I I generally think about these two fighters, Pete, I think about stand-up. But like mm. you gotta think if you're Carl Roberson, um, the question, you know, I do want to see what's he look like on the scale as a 205er as opposed to a 185 that we've seen in the past. But like to me, like the smart game plan will be to try to get this one to the ground. I just don't know if he does that.
2: Yeah, I actually um I view this fight. As like an interesting spot to target because there is volatility surrounding both of these guys. So, uh, Carl Robertson and Khalil Rountree have you know been completely inconsistent throughout their UFC tenure. And uh, I know that Robertson has made some adjustments and made some changes for this camp. He spent most of his time working with James Kraus out of Glory, but in addition to that, one of his best friends and main training partners is Corey Anderson. So, the the tail end of his camp, he went back out and trained with Carl Robertson. I mean, with Corey Anderson. And Corey Anderson has spoken extremely highly of, of, Carl Robertson. So I think that like, this could be a situation of just not showing up under the lights and Carl Roberson is just like, you know, he's a, he's a good kickboxer. And I'm interested to see how these striking exchanges like unfold. Um, because like to, to the, to this date, like Khalil Roundtree looks like the superior striker, right? Because he's shown more in the cage. He's more aggressive. Um, he marches people down Carl Robertson is a guy who's touted as being a phenomenal striker and then starts shooting takedowns and uh, starts to to really welcome the the grappling, which is a little odd. And I know that he's been grappling like crazy um, at glory. So uh, I I think that possibly there could be some some takedown upside with with targeting Carl Robertson. But I have next to no faith for either one of these guys. This is like a, you know, it's the eighty two hundred eight thousand fight. We have a lot of difficulty week to week because it's a close fight. But a lot of times this fight makes it into the optimal lineup. And uh, I am going to slightly favor Carl Robertson against my own judgment, just because I want to believe that there is some, some submission possibility or takedowns. Um, but all in all, I'll be targeting this fight in both fighters basically near even. Um, I think it's it's a nice fight to target and probably ends you know inside the distance.
1: I don't feel how you can trust either one of these guys. Yeah,
2: exactly. I don't.
1: I mean, that, that to me is the biggest issue with this fight. I mean, you know, because of the price point, because their fighting styles, this mm. could very well be a fight that could be end up being optimal, but it's just one of those fights that you just go, man, I just don't trust either one of these guys. This probably is mm. potentially a boom bust. Uh, if there is a stoppage, I mean, maybe, you know, well, I, I was on a fight pass the other day. And there was this video of James Krause and Julian Marquez. Yeah. And, and my biggest takeaway from, from the video was basically James Krause talked about um, when Marquez was at the gym before, basically he didn't go along with the team plan of you're here this time. This is what mm-hmm. practices don't show up late. And James Krause basically talks about when Marquez moved back to Kansas City, he wasn't, he wasn't interested in having Marquez rejoin the gym. And he basically goes like, this is a schedule if you don't buy by the schedule, you're done. Yeah. And, and I thought that was a really, I, I thought offer some kind of insight into what James Krause is as a head coach.
2: Yeah. I mean, you got to hold your fighters accountable. And a lot of times people just like allow their fighters to take advantage of situations or come and go as they please. And you know, you have to lay down the hammer from time to time. And I've had to do it with my guys as well, where it's like, all right, guys, like, either buying into what we're doing or you know you're you're trying to take this freelancing approach and doing doing things how you think is is right and uh, you know I, I what I understood from Carl Robertson in an interview I listened to I think it was with James Lynch was just saying of how um, how the mindset of James Krause has really helped Robertson develop and start to think and view the fight game a little bit differently and a lot of people view that probably not in the highest regard. And I think it's an underrated trait from a, from a coach is being more of a mental coach than necessarily showing everybody how to fight. A lot of these guys have the skill. Yes, there is a, you know, some methodology and some tactics behind it, but getting your guys to be in the correct headspace is extremely crucial to success.
1: I mentioned this question from Samuel. He says, if we go by skill, will Roundtree be the pick And he goes, if he shows up, of course.
2: Yeah, exactly. How can you trust either one? But yes, if you're going by skill, I do think that like Khalil Roundtree is probably the more skilled fighter. I just I, I like to believe that there is some takedown upside with Carl Robertson. Again, don't really care who I'll get in my lineups. This is a fight where I'm just a little torn on both sides and we'll just leave it up to the projections and the ownership to, to really help me decide. So definitely check out all of our stuff over on Osmo.com.
1: Next up, we got a lightweight matchup that came together at the end of last week. Terrence McKinney uh, stepping up on short notice to take on Drew Dober here. And, of course, uh, I mentioned earlier on the show, uh, at one point, Terrence McKinney was a 2-1 to betting underdog in this one. And uh, as we do this show, he's plus 145, so it tells you how the betting public is looking at Terrence McKinney here. I mean, I I think, you know, when I look at what question marks I potentially have with Terrence McKinney, I mean, look, and his price tag on DK is going to make him very intriguing at 7,200. I still have that question of, what if what happens if you yeah. can't get Drew Drudeau out in five minutes? Yeah, that it, to me is still a question mark. It's mm-hmm. it's it's an unknown. I think it's probably a better way to phrase it.
2: Yeah, I don't think that we've really learned anything about Terrence McKinney in either one of his UFC fights. Like right there. Like, yeah, we, we learned that he's a dangerous finisher. But if you look throughout his career, we knew that already. Um, like the Matt Frivola fight, like that's, that's not even really a fight like that. That just, he went in there, got a quick paycheck and left. Like that was an excellent performance. Uh, the previous fight against Farzim, um, random scramble into a submission victory. Okay. Excellent. Performed admirably, but like that fight really wasn't the longest. And Terrence McKinney seemed to be a little like, I don't know, not gassed or anything, but like when he was doing his inter- interview, he's, he's tired. And I do think that there is some volatility surrounding his cardio and, I think that as being a prolific finisher, there is some danger of him just falling flat, especially in a massive, massive step up in competition against Drew Dober. Like, I can't preface this enough in saying that this is a huge step up in competition. Drew Dober's seen, you know, I, w- I would say basically at all within the UFC and just throughout his entire career. And Drew Dober hits extremely hard. And I think that he could punish Terrence McKinney. McKinney's going to have to really lace up those wrestling shoes in order to, to win this fight, in my opinion. He can hit Drew Dober with some big shots, but I think that he needs to, to wrestle from the get-go and try to control the dangerous Drew Dober. Um, I'm going to be picking Drew Dober here, but I, I'm going to be sprinkling Terrence McKinney just because that there is some, some you know, possibility of, of outperforming that salary if he does go the wrestling, wrestling path. And say even for like you know two rounds or a round and a half is able to get four, five, six takedowns or something like that with some control time. Um, and then just survive the final frame. You could be looking at a guy reaching into the optimal lineup, uh, just because he's at 7,200. But as far as skill wise, as far as what I've seen, it's hard, it's tough for me to really back Terrence McKinney here and just completely write off Drew Dober. So I'm siding with Drew Dober here, Jason.
1: The one thing that does stick out to you when you look at Drew Dover has been taken down 11 times yep. in his last three fights. But, I mean, look, you also got to remember, it took Islam Mahachev three rounds to exactly. get him out of there. That, that to me, like, that is, the like, as I've I've thought more and more about this fight, I'm sitting there going, if it took, who a lot of people believe right now is the most skilled lightweight in the world, Islam Mahachev. If it took him three rounds to get Drew Dover out of there, you know, but, but look, there's a ton of value on Terrence McKinney.
2: Yeah, a ton of value as far as like a guy who's going to fight and, and try to get it done early. Um, he's he's one of the best out there. I mean, he, he's got that round one possibility similar to, to Marlon Moraes, but I do think that he's, you know, in a better position. Uh, he's definitely in a better position than Marlon is. Uh, Terrence McKinney just – I'm going to take – I usually don't do this. I like to be early rather than late. I'm going to take just the wait-and-see approach. For this fight, for most of my lineups, I'm going to target the Drew Dober side more than the McKinney side, just because I want McKinney to prove some stuff to me. I want to see him in Mm -hmm. rounds two and rounds three. And usually I like to, you know, jump on, jump on, you know, the bandwagon a little early. Uh, This, this one, I'm just going to be a little hesitant. I think that the veterans got it.
1: No question with you there. Next up uh, is probably the matchup that I'm most interested in. And uh, this this could be a very fun fight of of Alex Bahia. Of course, the, uh, the glory kickboxing champion made his way into MMA, taking on Bruno. Silva, Bruno Silva, a plus 150 betting underdog in this one. Uh, Alex Praia, 8,900 over on DraftKings, 7,300 for Bruno Silva. Uh, one of the things when you look at Telete, Pete, the, the reach advantage that Alex is going to have uh, in this matchup. And, you know, we were talking a little bit before uh, the show started about, you know, when you look at Bruno Silva, the only time he's been knocked out is on on the contender series.
2: Yeah, so I'm interested to see how this might this fight unfolds because you got two strikers, Bruno Silva 22 and six, Alex Barrera four and one. But the, the four and one, if you're just going by that, you're not really taking into consideration his kickboxing acumen. And uh, you're talking about a guy with prolific knockout potential and just just crazy power, like sneaky pop. He doesn't look like a guy that has some devastating power, but it's the technique mixed with the speed and just everything. Everything's correct with his striking and he's six foot four versus Bruno Siller, who's six foot five inch reach advantage for Alex Pereira here and uh, training with Glover to I think could only help him in his evolution and development within MMA. Uh, I didn't really like what I saw in his debut against uh, Andreas Mihalidis where he was able to get controlled at times um, and, and take it down twice. So uh, Mihalidis went two of seven of takedowns, but, you know, there was like three and a half minutes of control time for Mihalitis, which if uh, Bruno Silva wants to, to wrestle, that's a path to victory where a sneaky guy at his ownership and at his price point of 7,300 could, you know, find a way to, to get a victory here, especially a guy who has, you know, 28, nearly 30 MMA fights. Kickboxing is different. This is an MMA guy. And uh, as far as the striking exchanges, I think that Pereira is going to piece him up. Um, I didn't really like what I saw in Bruno Silva's previous fights where I, I, am not impressed with Jordan Wright and, you know, Andrew Sanchez to an, to an extent and Wellington tournament, like, and I feel like there's glimmers of success of, of some of those fighters within those fights. So, uh, I'm going to side with Alex Pereira here, but, uh, you know, diving into their social medias and whatnot, you see Bruno Silva posting old training footage and, I didn't know it was old until I went back even deeper, but it's of him working his takedowns. So like it's, there's a path there, but I feel like this could be a trap where a lot of people are thinking that he's going, like he's been working on it extensively and he he probably has, but the video is an old video. I went back and I saw the same video from a while ago, uh, back like when he was fighting Andrew Sanchez or even before that. So With all that being said, I'm going to side with uh, Alex Pereira here at 8900. I think that he gets it done. For the best TV
0: viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so (laughs) you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Chevy truck season. And with the Chevy Silverado, there's no such thing as an uphill battle. With the Chevy Silverado, you can take on the mountains, or you can move them. Because with impressive toy capability, an available 13.4-inch diagonal touchscreen, and a choice of powerful engines to pick from, whatever your mountain, there's a Silverado with the capability you need. Click to learn more. Find new roads at your local Chevy dealer.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, if you're fighting Alex, then the, the mindset should yeah. be, should be, hey, let's try to make this a, a grappling matchup. Let's let's not try to have a kickboxing matchup with a glory world champion mm-hmm. inside the octagon. I mean, I think that's pretty clear with that one. Uh, next up, we got a matchup. Matthew Schmelsberger taking on AJ Fletcher. 9,300 for Matthew Schmelsberger. 6,900 for AJ Fletcher. And uh, this is another fight that Pete and I were talking about before the show. And, uh, you know, look, I... You look at the tail of the tape. AJ Fletcher should be a 155 or not a 170 or eight inch reach disadvantage in this fight at 170 pounds. Pete, that is a massive size difference, but you have uh, brought the point of wrestling being the great equalizer here.
2: Yeah. Ask me, ask me if I care about the, about the reach disadvantage now. I, oh,
1: I mean, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> okay. Hold on. I am coming in. To Rogers Mixed Martial Arts Academy, and I'm gonna sit there and go, "Hey, has Pete ever talked about reach disadvantage in here?"
2: <laughs> no. Okay. I think that this could be a situation where the the style of um, the style of AJ Fletcher could somewhat negate that reach, you know, disparity. Where if he stays on the outside with Semmelsberger, who has an eight inch reach advantage and has great straight straight punches that he's going to be a sitting duck for, for a lot of power shots. Uh, pretty similar to how Snow, uh, Jason Witt, Carl might Mike, like all these guys have struggled against Semmelsberger who's I mean, somewhat some been like a success story, uh, story within the UFC. And it's kind of weird because if you looked at his regional tape, I think that there are some holes within his game still. I think that he's a developing fighter. Um, I think that he's athletic. But if A.J. Fletcher can negate the the range and get inside, that boxing range and, and get into the clinch a little bit. I think that there is some tremendous takedown upside here. In addition to that, he hits really, really hard. And a lot of times when the going gets tough, people abandon their reach and it becomes just a firefight where fighters start to walk each other down and it becomes somewhat of a brawl. So I'm actually favoring AJ Fletcher here, despite the 6,000 price tag. Now I'm not expecting him necessarily to get a finish, but I think that the wrestling could be the difference maker here. Um, I think that the, the price point and the odds of Semelsberger are a little bit overblown because of his tremendous victories within UFC. But if you look at the strength of schedule, Carlton minus not UFC level, in my opinion, Jason Witt it has wrestling skills, but man, he has zero chin, uh, Martin Sunil, not UFC level. Um, and you know, the, the fight against chaos Williams, I, I thought that there were some positives to take out of that, but I'm just liking the price point of AJ Fletcher. I think that it's mispriced and there's so much value, even a decision victory that he can come through for us. So my pick is AJ Fletcher of the week. And uh, I didn't think that I would be getting here, but man, with how the underdogs are, I have to take a chance somewhere. And I'm going to target AJ Fletcher who seems to have a good camp around him and seems to have the the tools to get this done on Saturday.
1: I mean, a huge price tag on the Schmelzberger huge. line. I mean, I, like I was going to sit there and mention before you kind of went down, like, well, yeah. who's, who's Schmelzberger's best win in the UFC? It's probably Jason Witt. When yeah. you look at what Jason Witt has done throughout uh, all, all of his career, I mean, it just it says a lot about that. I mean, it is a big price tag. Uh, but look, my only my only concern with with AJ Fletcher in a spot is that reach disadvantage because of how he's going to have to, you know, take chances of closing in on that reach advantage. And clearly the wrestling is the way to go there. Of course, this is the also MMA strategy show, and we are sponsored by Prize Picks. Of course, you got to check out Prize Picks. Get one free month of Also Plus Platinum when you sign up, deposit, and play over at PrizePix. You can sign up at PrizePicks.com. Download in the app store. Of course, you'll get an email within 24 to 48 hours how you can take advantage of getting that free month of Osmo Plus Platinum. Of course, also be sure to use the promo code Also for instant first match deposit of up to $100. Of course, also be sure to use our free prize picks NBA prop tool to help you make the best selection. Now, looking at the MMA slate over here, as uh, two of that stuck out to me, I will look at fight time. And so out of fight we just talked about uh, of Alex Prajea. His fight time, is, the number they have set is five. I like the over in that one.
2: You're a dangerous man, Jason, because you're playing with fire right here. You got two amazing strikers. But a lot of times, you know, you do have a staring match and it ends up being a more methodical striking affair. So I think that I might agree with you because we did see that Pereira can be patient at times. And this could be if Bruno Silva closes the distance and wants to just clinch to avoid the dangerous Pereira for a little bit, I'm going to say over as crazy as that is.
1: Now on the takedowns, I'm going to go a underplay. Give me the under two and a half takedowns on Terrence McKinney.
2: I'm right there with you. I think that he scores two. He could score three, but I just don't know if the gas tank will hold up. And I also think that Drew Dover can punish him. So I'm with you on that as well.
1: Now, I will say if that number gets to two as opposed to two and a half, yeah. then the over becomes a little more intriguing.
2: I wish that it was like if they set it to a little bit higher, I would definitely hit the under on it. Um, but all in all, it this is going to be a crazy fight. If that was
1: a three, it's definitely under yeah. for me.
2: Yeah, exactly. But, that's what I'm saying.
1: I mean, look, the two and a half is a good number. It's a good number out there. And that's one of those things with prize picks. There are some weeks where on a Thursday, I see some numbers. I'm like, I need to hop on that number now. Yeah this is one of those weeks. I think you kind of let see it play out a little bit, see where these numbers kind of go and, and try to get yourself the best number, just like you do with in, in the betting side, trying to get the best number that you potentially can. Let's move on to the next matchup. we got a female matchup, JJ Aldrich. take it on Jillian Robertson, Robertson, 8,500, 7,700 for JJ Aldrich. Pete, what's your take?
2: I mean, this fight's okay. I mean, like th- that's the issue with this week, right? Where, we can see some underdogs coming through and squeaking out decisions. And it's just like, who's going to score well? Like who's, who's really going to just flip the card on its head. And like, I'm picking JJ Aldrich in this matchup, but I don't necessarily know if she'll, she'll score all that well. Um, she likes to strike. She can counter pretty well. I don't think that her takedown defense is all that bad. And when you combine that with Jillian Robertson taking this fight on short notice and not having the best takedown accuracy, I I like JJ Aldrich with a full camp surrounded by some talented fighters. I think that, you know, she's fought a lot of fighters that, you know, don't want to stand with her, but I think that her, her ground game and her wrestling is a little bit underrated. Um, she's, she tends to go the distance in some of her fights, but this could be a nice little leverage spot where, uh. I'm going to want to get to the JJ Aldrich side, just because everybody's looking at her record and saying, Oh, just a decision machine. And yeah, rightfully. So you're calling it what it is, but I'll tell you what, I think that there's a disparity here between the striking skill of Jillian Robertson and JJ Aldrich. I think that she hits pretty well. Um, She's a Southpaw. So Southpaws cause a lot of problems for a lot of fighters Um, until you lace up gloves, you train, or you fight, you don't realize how difficult it is to fight a lefty. A lot of things that you do are incorrect. And you you have to have the correct camp behind you. So I'm going to pick JJ Aldrich just because I think that if this fight stays standing, it's her fight to lose. And uh, even in the the grappling and wrestling sequences, Robertson's okay with getting on her back just because she has an active guard. And I think that could be a control uh, control time situation where JJ Aldrich could just be in top position, avoiding arm bars, possibility of arm bar from guards, always viable whenever Jillian Robertson's fighting, but uh, give me JJ Aldrich to squeak out this decision and uh, not really score the best. I don't know. I just think that she can get it done. I think that she's seen better opposition than Robertson.
1: That prop bet of over two and a half rounds is yeah. uh, very juicy for me in terms of this one. Uh, glad that you brought the grappling aspect of that with what Julian Robertson. Um, and to me, that's that's the key for her to getting the victory here if she can pull it off. Uh, she does have a four-inch reach disadvantage in this one. So she's going to have to be able to cut the inside. But to me, if, if you're taking Julian Robertson, I think your mindset has got to be she gets this one to the ground. But uh, when you're looking at the under 8,000 fires to potentially target, JJ Aldrich has got to be in that pool for you. Next up, we got a bantam weight matchup between Trevin Jones, and Jafib Bassarat, 7,500 for Trevin Jones, 8,700 for his opponent here. Pete,
2: what's your take? I, oh man, I'm torn. Only reason I'm torn is just because you have a guy in Trevin Jones just getting victories when I'm always counting him out or thinking that. Like he's, he's like not UFC level. And then he, he packs a really, really mean punch. And, uh, in addition to that, I think that his wrestling and grappling is okay. Um, but like, let's, let's call it what it is. Um, the victory, which is now a no contest over Timur Baliev, was one of the most controversial things ever. He was on his way to getting finished brutally by body shots and just getting overwhelmed in the striking department. And, uh, the ref let it go. And then in the second round, came out, landed a big shot, and ended up knocking out Tim Orvaleev. Um, you know, kind of similar against Mario Batista, uh, loses the first frame and then comes back and, and hits a a powerful shot against Mario Batista, who, you know, Tim Orvaliev and Mario Batista were not known as being chinny guys or, or getting wobbled a lot throughout their careers. And you have this guy in Trevor Jones, who, you know, took advantage of the situation, went out to Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. When 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 all the the COVID stuff was going on, and uh, got his got his way into the UFC as a last minute replacement, and uh, now he's here. Uh, the Sayed uh kakramanov Romanov fight, you did see where you know he can be a uh, liability in in the striking, but also in the grappling, where he's just a little reckless and makes some mistakes, and, and ended up getting submitted via guillotine choke. So, man, I'll tell you what, this guy that he's fighting, Javid uh, Basharat looked phenomenal on the contender series looked phenomenal. And uh, I don't know if that was just mainly due to the animosity between that matchup, but at uh, at 11 and 0 you're talking about a guy who has skills in the striking department um, and really sound skills in the grappling department and submission skills. So this guy looks like honestly a pretty solid prospect. Like I really would have to say that he looks like a prospect. I wanted to pick Trevin Jones just because Oh, Trevin Jones as an underdog, smash him, put him in there mm-hmm. because he has that KO potential. But when I look at it from a skill situation, I think that Bosharat could just dance around on the outside, hit him with, you know, tremendous calf kicks, blitzes moving forward. Um, and the, the big swing in Trevin Jones could struggle with, uh, with with finding the mark and, and landing a big shot. Uh, Bosharat keeps his hands relatively low. Which always is a cause for concern, but I'm gonna I'm gonna target the the UFC newcomer uh, and just because I think that you know he looks great and this kid looks like he's UFC ready and I still have tremendous questions surrounding Trevin Jones, so give me Basharat 8700.
1: I believe I saw on Jones' uh, Instagram over the last two weeks. It seems like maybe he's been spending more time in Guam than he yep. has been in Las Vegas. Next up, we got a featherweight matchup. Damon Jackson taking on Camelo Kirk. Kirk, uh, a late replacement fighter in this one, stepped up a couple weeks ago. He's 8,400. Damon Jackson, 7,800. I spoke to Damon Jackson uh, about, uh, about three weeks ago at this point, two, three weeks ago at this point. And um, the biggest takeaway I took away from him um, is the fact of he talked about how Uh, he's being an a-hole in the training room because he's going hard. It's a final fight on his UFC deal. He knows he's got to get a win secure a new contract. But, uh, when he told me, he's like, yeah, I'm being a hole. I'm going hard every day in camp. And one of his, um, so I I put the tweet out promoting the interview and one of his teammates goes, yeah, he is.
2: Hey man, you gotta, that's the thing, right? Like you can't take training personal as long as I always tell my guys, As long as there's no malice in anything you do, like as long as like when you're when you're sparring, you're not like trying to be, you're not a great, you're not mad. Like there's no emotions attached to it. It's all just performance based, and you're pushing and you're trying hard because that's what you should be doing because it replicates and simulates a fight. So I I like it, and I do think that this fight pretty similar to the Carl Robertson and uh, Roundtree fight. I don't really care who I get. I, I do think that as far as like a skill uh, you know, as far as like evaluating skills, I'll say that Cam Wella Kirk is probably the more skilled guy and he's younger. Um, I think that he's the better striker of the two. And, uh, I think that, you know, the wrestling and grappling is interesting because I feel like Damon Jackson absolutely thrives in a fight like that. His submission, uh, submission ability is pretty up there. And I think that he's pretty underrated in regards to that. Uh, you know, his last fight against Charles Rosa really makes him look like an absolute monster. And that's partially due to Charles Rosa accepting positions and just not being a a talented UFC wrestler, um, just welcoming a fight off of his back. I'm going to have split exposure on this fight, whereas some other fights I'm like, you know, I feel super confident. I'm not really confident in this fight. 8,400 for Kirk, 7,800 for for Jackson. I'm going to get to both of these guys, to be honest. And as far as a guy who can go out there and get takedowns and throw up Hail Mary submissions, Damon Jackson's definitely the guy, and the leech is super, super skilled. So I I guess I'm still leaning Camwella kirk but Jackson's an amazing value. So like I said, don't care who I'll get. I'll have a split exposure.
1: My, my biggest takeaway really from the conversation was yeah. I, I feel like you're going to see Damon Jackson maybe, um, maybe take some – In the fight, uh-huh. and maybe he typically will because of the contract situation.
2: I see, and that's why we have Jason Floyd, the best MMA reporter out there. And uh, I'm telling you what, every single week that we have fights, Jason is your duty to try to, <laughs> we, we, we got to, you know what, maybe not even the favorites. Just look at everybody who's 8,000 and under and just set up interviews with them so we can find the correct underdog.
1: If I could tell you things I would get told off the record.
2: Yeah, uh, I know. I know. <laughs> Me too, brother. Me too.
1: That that is where the juicy, juicy stuff is
2: uh, yeah, comes from here.
1: Uh, let's do next up to a matchup. Uh, another short notice on a replacement opponent. Uh, Sabina Mazo. She was initially supposed to take on Amanda Bomb. She now takes on Miranda Maverick. Oof, tough competition here for her. Ninety four hundred oh from Miranda Maverick. Eight sixty eight hundred for Sabina Mazo. It is female MMA. We know how female fights go, but man, Miranda Maverick is the real deal to me.
2: I think Miranda Maverick is, uh, you know, a name that's going to be within the UFC, you know, divisions for a while. I I really do. I think that uh, her striking is good, her aggressiveness is good, her killer instinct is great, and her her wrestling and just jujitsu. All in all, I just think the pressure of Miranda Maverick. She's a short frame fighter. So uh, 5'7 Sabino Mazo 5'3 Miranda Maverick, 5-inch reach disadvantage for Miranda Maverick. So she's going to need to close that gap pretty similar to how she closed the gap in most of her fights. Um, And I think that she's going to be a little irritated that she lost to Aaron Blanchfield. She's on back-to-back defeats against Macy Barber and Aaron Blanchfield. Arguably won the fight against Macy Barber, but we we picked Aaron Blanchfield in that fight against uh, Miranda Maverick. And man, oh man, did Blanchfield look amazing. So I, I think Ma- uh, Maverick wants to get back to her winning ways. And I think this is a nice matchup where the, the pitter-patter striking of Sabina Mazo just kind of taking her time, staying on the outside, uh, not really threatening with much outside of a high kick. Uh, I think this, this is a nice matchup for Miranda Maverick. But as far as like a, a DFS salary, I looked at it, and I'm like, you know, it's women's MMA, Sabina Mazzo's 6,800. Like, this, if this goes 15, we, we see women's MMA is a lot closer and, uh, you know, we had Shao Yan who, who was last week, Shao Yan or whoever it was, uh, in, in that fight as the underdog, she nearly squeaked out that, that, uh, that victory over Marina Rodriguez mm-hmm. and she was priced stupid low as well. So I'm going to take shots on Sabina Mazo, just because if this is a 15 minute affair, you know, she could end up with the victory and make her way into the optimal lineup. But more often than not, I'm expecting Miranda Maverick to get takedowns, get top position, tons of control time in route to a dominant victory. So uh, Maverick looks like a very, very appealing 9,400 fighter. Um, I do think that there are some uh, some better high-end high, high end options, but uh, Maverick's to play.
1: Was close to the optimal last week, uh, just about 20 20 points away yep. from being able to come optimal. Of course, uh, one of the things we we'll always love to see is those Wayne Street shots. So we want to see you go into the awesome Hall of Fame. Of course, if, first thing you has got to be doing, you got to rock that. Also, Avatar on your DFS profile Fish in the top three with a contest with over five thousand contestants. Tweet your wins to @AwesomeHoF. You win a free month of also Plus Platinum, and of course, only one free month can be awarded to a user per calendar year. We've had a couple of a hundred thousand dollars winners over the past week. See uh, Galvan taking over a hundred thousand dollars NBA over there on FanDuel. Also, Ryan taking down $100,000 over on DraftKings, playing NBA. Kudos to you. Also, Dave taking down over $27,000 in NBA as well. Of course, you see all the other screenshots that are up there with our NBA coverage. Of course, you got to check out uh, NBA Deeper Dive. Also, be sure to check out Live Before Lock. That is my my go-to when it comes to NBA as a Cash Live did not do too well last night, Pete. Cash line did not do too well, but uh, thankfully, my 20 backs uh, allowed me to break even last night. But yeah, it was uh, NBA can be tough, especially when it's a 12 game slate. I, mean, I, need, I need all the uh, the tools and analysis we have over here at osmo.com. So check out that, all the great coverage we have over there for NBA and all the other sports we have. And of course, if you're not also a plus member, sign up right now, osmo.com. Slash Joel, we got three more matchups to mention here. Uh, we got Dolce versus Brunage. Brunnage seventy nine hundred. Dolce eighty three hundred. And uh, yeah, this is—I mean—you're you're talking about this is you know the bottom of the of the rankings here between these two guys. But uh, what does intrigue you about Brunidge would be the wrestling,
2: for sure. And uh, this is another underdog that I'm going to target this week. And uh, Dolce and Beulah making some adjustments going to Sanford MMA. I think that it could help him, but I—I I feel like he just might be. You know, I don't know. He he's a liability in the cardio department for sure, and uh, I, I think uh, in certain matchups he can be exposed. And he he's a judo player, so he has some sneaky throws. But as far as like a frame guy, he's five foot eight, fighting at one hundred and eighty five pounds. Um, still has the reach advantage over Cody Brundage, who's six foot tall, which makes no sense at all. Uh, I just think from a physicality standpoint, yeah, Lungambule looks looks like a, a house and he, he's got so much muscle. But with all that muscle I think requires a lot of oxygen and I just don't really feel like Dolcer is able to keep up a, a pace like a wrestler, Cody Brundage could. Now, let me tell you, I don't think that Brundage is necessarily UFC level, but what he does bring to the table is some sneaky takedowns, as evidenced and, you know, displayed in the William Knight fight on Dana White's contender series where you know, he, he landed one of three takedowns in two minutes of control time, had William Knight flattened out, was was landing some hard shots. And I think outside of many other people, he finishes them. So uh, Dolce Lungabula could be in a bad situation where here where if he gets planted on his back or even hit with some big shots that he could, you know, just kind of be a step behind Cody Brundage. And it really surprises me. But this is the, the landscape of the slate because I wasn't going to – to target Cody Brundage at all and Dolce Lungambula can easily hit and finish Cody Brundage, but I got to I got to take a shot, right? I got to take a shot I'm taking a shot on Fletcher, taking a shot on a few other underdogs that might win, but not necessarily score. Well, I can see Cody Brundage winning in rounds two or rounds three, to be honest, because Lungambula is going to come out hot early and I think that he's going to taper off, you know, exceptionally. So, so give me Cody Brundage here at 7,900 surprise to me is surprise to you but that's what we're doing
1: <laughs> next up we got chris montino taking on Guido kennedy Canetti, 7600 8600 for montino the rare we see in the ufc the 42 year old bantamweight mm. usually when we're talking about 40 year olds we're talking about heavyweights but no guido 42 year old bantamweight here chris montino we were talking about this before the show the one thing that scares the crap out of me when it comes to chris montino is the lack of defense
2: yeah i love chris montino he's a nice kid um, used to train with some some friends of mine and also one of my coaches, my jujitsu coach. And, uh, you know, I was happy that he was able to, you know, just gain such a, a massive following following that Sean O'Malley fight. He was brought in to, to just keep the fight alive and was not expected to gain any popularity. But, man, he took so many punches to the face, and he just kept moving forward. Um, and, you know, his lack of defense will eventually catch up to him. Um, but also it has caught up to him in the regional scene as well, where he's been finished. Uh, he's been finished pretty handily. So I was surprised that he was able to to survive against Sean O'Malley. Now his toughness is never in question. His striking is actually pretty underrated. I think that he has some, some sneaky pop and he used to, to compete in Muay Thai, you know, a lot on the regional scene as well. Uh, it's his jujitsu. That's somewhat of an X factor that I don't think is really displayed in the UFC yet um so I, I'm going to side with mutino slightly but if you tell me that Guido canetti goes out there in round one extremely aggressive and picks up a finish I wouldn't necessarily be surprised so I'm favoring mutino I'm hoping that he gets the victory here but this is a fight again like like the the round tree and Robertson where I'm going to get both of these guys and I don't necessarily care who I get I can see this fight being in the optimal lineup but I, I would love nothing more than to see mutino go out there and shine
1: he got hit 230 yeah. times in 15 minutes against yes, he did, Sean O'Malley. That's a that's a whole lot of strikes. He's a, a tough
2: bastard right there. He, he's very very tough. And uh, you know if he could fight a little smarter, incorporate some takedowns, avoid the the early dangerous Guido Canetti, uh, th- this is a this is a favor that the UFC's given him. Hey, we, we screwed you by taking a fight against Sean O'Malley. Let's help you out. Yeah, no question.
1: Opening fight of the night, Tafon taking on Azimot. Azimot 8,800, 7,400 for Tafon. Uh Asimov has fought in open weight um over uh internationally. Um, so what's your take here, Pete?
2: I'm not I don't I mean, I'm I'm seeing a lot of love for this guy or um, Mirzakhanov or Mirzakunov. Um, and I'm just like, I don't know. He's all right. He's he's got good power. He's he bounces on the outside, he seems to be patient at times. Um I think, feel like people might be underestimating Tefan and Chukwi here. And uh Kanov, you know, five foot 10, 71 inch reach going up against Tefan and Chukwi, six feet tall, 77 inch reach. So he's got a six inch reach advantage over Azamat. And, uh, you know, not too long ago, everybody was really tooting the horn of Tefan and Chukwi until he ran into some, some takedown threats of Junyong Park. But I'm still siding with Tifan and Chukwi. I, I really am. I'm, I'm not a believer that Azamat Mirzakhanov is like this next big thing. I feel like some of his best work is outside the UFC, and it's already done. Um, he could win a decision here, and I have no issues with that. This is just not one of my favorite fights to target. I could see this being methodical. They're both a little hesitant that they throw. They take their time. This gets beyond round two, and uh, neither one of them are optimal. So I'm favoring T- uh, and Chukwi at 7,400. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's just like, I'm not buying the Murzakhanov hype. Of
1: course. Uh, be sure to smash that thumbs up button. If you're not subscribed also right here on YouTube, be sure to do that as well. We've got a ton of great programming for you each and every day. Of course, coming up right after us will be the NHL strategy show right now, before we get into Sam's same super chat, let's talk about our straight up picks, non DFS related main event. I will go in Kalev. Yeah. And Kalev. I will go song. You dong, but I am concerned about that first round
2: song. You dong. Uh Youssef. Youssef.
1: Don't feel good about this pick. Round tree.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna go Robertson. Don't feel good about it though.
1: <sighs> Give me Terrence McKinney.
2: Really? Delber. Uh
1: I will go Pereira against Silver. Yeah, Pereira. I know you're gonna go Fletcher. I'll go Smellsberger. Fletcher. Uh I'll take JJ Aldrich. Aldrich. Uh I'll take Bassarat against Jones. Same. I will go Damon Jackson. I'll go Kirk. I will go Miranda Maverick. Maverick. Cody Brundage. Brundage. Chris Moutinho. Moutinho. And I will take Azimat.
2: I feel, I feel you're going to go the other way. Yeah, I'm going to Fon.
1: All right, so let's go to Sam. His over-under, I'm guessing this was a typo. 8. His 8. over-under 4. was
2: 8.4. <laughs> Sam, week to week, you really just surprised me with some of the stuff you come up with, I have to tell you. But I'm, I'm going to say uh, under.
1: Yeah, I'm under on that one. Uh, top two cash GPPs. Uh, in terms of a cash play,
2: I'm gonna say Ankeliev.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was looking. At Ank- I was looking at Ankeliev, um, Maverick. So, uh, yeah, and Sadiq.
2: Mm-hmm. agreed.
1: Uh, in terms of GPPs it's a tough one this week um i kind of i'm, I'm kind of lo- looking at song Yudong dong as one of my top gpps because potentially uh you know i, I just gassed out Barma race around two and round three um if i was going to offer a second gpp um
2: i think it's fights like that trevin jones Basharat fight i feel yeah. like the winner of that it's gonna they're gonna be optimal
1: yeah, no question about that. Uh, in terms of a uh, favorite inside the distance fights that I would look at, uh, I would look at Roushie Roberson. Yep. Pajayas Silva, even though I do like the over potential uh, goal decision that one. Agreed. And Jackson Kirk.
2: Yeah, I like the Song Dong one as well.
1: Um, leverage plays, I think you just got to look at the, you, you got to look at these 9,000 and see who's not getting the ownership. That's to me is where you look at there.
2: Yeah, for sure. And also like some fights where people automatically think that the result like they know how the results gonna happen. Like JJ Aldrich. Nobody's gonna play her because they think that it's just gonna be a decision. I think that she's in a nice little leverage spot here.
1: Yeah, no question about that. Uh upsets. I mean, I think Pete's kind of put it out there, AJ Fletcher, Teflon, Chwucki. Anybody else you wanna mention?
2: Um, JJ Aldrich and uh Cody Brundage. It's I don't know, man. I feel like these dogs are barking this week. I feel like it's gonna be underdog city and we'll have to see. Can't wait to Talk with you guys on Saturday. Excited, and uh, yeah, Jason, let's do it.
1: Yeah, we'll be here Saturday, three o'clock live before lock. Coming up next is the NHL Strategy Show. Hope everyone has a great rest of your Thursday. We will talk to you on Saturday for live before lock. Have a good day, everybody.